In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com. Hey, Ben Kissel here letting you know my documentary, Hail Yourself America, is now available for sale. Go to HailYourselfAmerica.com. You can download the documentary. I hope you enjoy it. And always remember, hail yourselves. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here hanging out with Travis Morningstar. I'm still... Riding high from the Heidi Klum Halloween party, unbelievable. Where we should never be invited, but we get we get lucky. We I have don't good know friends. how I found myself. I walked into the bathroom of the Heidi Klum Halloween party dressed as Bimo, so I had a giant box right. costume on, and I was trying to lift it up enough to pee in the urinal. Sure, sure. And then I turn around after that, and I see Ice T and Slick Rick just really? having a conversation behind me. No kidding. Absolutely surreal. That's awesome, man. And I think you also saw Coco, didn't you? Ice T's gal. Coco, very, very nice woman. And uh, I did see Mariah Carey dressed as Tina Turner. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. And uh, one of the sharks from Shark Tank was no dressed, as the, dressed as the Navi. Hmm. This is the Navi. Don't know what that is, but. The Avatar. Oh, no kidding. Avatar. Well, that's exciting. Yes, that was very, very fun. And people were cool. And I just sat there. I dressed as a monk. I went to uh, Halloween Adventure. I got an outfit. It was horrible. And um, I just kind of drank free vodka and had a nice time. Now, I did I did see you sitting in your monk robe. And I think what you were doing, you were sitting and posting about Puffin on Instagram. Yes, I was posting <laughs> about was, Puffin. That was your yes. party MO. Yes. Was to post about your dog. During Heidi Klum's party. Well, and I took the pictures of Heidi Klum when she came by, and of course she does a great job, and her costume was scary, and I'm happy that she likes Halloween so much. It makes her pretty cool in my mind. Yeah, I got I got uh, very close to her. I got a picture with her, and uh, you have to fight your... You're you got to fight. You're at a party with people that you're dancing beside. It's all very fun and, and you know... Sure. And then she comes out of nowhere uh, to the sound of, like, a nuclear blast siren... And suddenly everyone around you is your enemy because you have because there are men with pillows pushing you out of the way to, to like give her clearance. Absolutely. And you have to fight to get close to this woman. And I finally got close enough. And it's it's hard to sort of switch gears from get the fuck away from me, vampire Dracula. And then saying, Miss Klum, can I have a selfie with you? But I did, and she was extremely nice, and uh, it was great. Well, there you go. She is a wonderful person. Uh, speaking of wonderful people, I want to thank everyone who came out to the uh, not to the premiere but to the screening of Hail Yourself America. I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and so many people came out on a Sunday night and then we went out to a great bar called Melrose. People can still smoke in the bars, so I still smell like cigarettes because it's all up in my hair and my eyelashes. 
but people were just incredible. So thanks, everyone, uh, who came out to the live screening of the show, Hail Yourself uh, America, in Nashville. And you can now get that documentary at HailYourselfAmerica.com. Go to HailYourselfAmerica.com. Pick up the documentary. It's a fun little slice of life. So, Also in Nashville, Tennessee, why was I there, you ask? I was there for a little nerdy event called Politicon. And Travis, Politicon is, oh my God, it's where you go to see, like, what does hell look like? Yeah. Who's going to be there? Who's on the list? It's a lot of people at Politicon. Speaking of hell, I did have a chance to meet Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, a.k.a the mayor of Knoxville, but you know what? He's just one of the mayors of Knoxville. How is this possible? Because the Knox Knoxville has two mayors. They got a city mayor, and then they got a county mayor. He's the county mayor, but it's still a mayor. So anyway, I, I got a picture taken with him. Uh, Al Franken gave a great presentation. Um, Trump versus Bernie was incredible. Oh, Adomian. Uh, Adomian and uh, Atamanik are so good. So if you stick around here, listen to this episode... Uh, towards the end, I'm going to play a, a conversation I had with a dude named Andrew Heaton and Travis Irvine. We recap Politicon and we talk about all the the people that were there and all the Tommy Lorenz and all the arguments that were happening. I'll probably end up being on a panel next year, a few of them anyway. And uh, it, it's, it's an interesting event, although we live in a WWE world and there's really no greater indication than how they marketed for Politicon. It was literally like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Al Franken. I think James Carville, Sean Hannity, and, and Tommy Loren, they were like on the poster or whatever on yeah. the uh, and the and the um, catchphrase is like come to see your favorite political heroes and villains. And Absolutely. it's like it's, it's like, so it is, weird. It is like BlizzCon. These are yeah. just like it's a dragon, but it's uh James Carville instead or you know, it's Yes. These a dark knight, but instead it's fucking Sarah Suck Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Well, you know, it was interesting because the two biggest feuds were with Trump supporters and traditional Republicans and uh, progressive Democrats and traditional Democrats. Those debates were even more, con uh, I guess, heated uh, than the debates with like James Carville talking to Sean Hannity, which really, I mean, James Carville can barely speak anymore. But the debates within the party was extremely interesting. I saw a lot of Trump supporters, and then there were a lot of Bernie supporters, but did not see any like centrist support. I think there was a few Yang gangers out there, but there was no love for Biden. There was no flair. There was no T-shirts for Joe Biden. So it was an indicator that where the energy lies is with the with more of the extreme wing of both of the parties, where Trumpers and then your progressive Democrats. That's where the energy was. That those were the people that were cheering and clapping and screaming and doing everything that you can imagine occurs at a Politicon. So that was quite fascinating. And if you just pulled people that went to this thing, uh, Donald Trump would win in a landslide. I realized I am in Tennessee, uh, although I thought it was more of a purple state. But it seems like the political fandom, Donald Trump, his fans are like like we were talking about. They are like wrestling fans. Yeah, they dress up. They got all this stuff. And they love all the flair. They love all the, you know, the buttons, the stickers, the shirts, the weird hats. They love it all. And a lot of young kids in Trump hats, which I'll never understand how any young kid could ever, you know, even just like the president. You're not supposed to like the president when you're 17 years. Whoever the president is, you're supposed to hate the president uh, because that's your job as a child. Liking the president is punk rock, Ben. It's disgusting. 
absolutely disgusted. So we went to Politicon, and that was very cool. So hang out and listen to that conversation again with Andrew Heaton and Travis Irvine. It's a different Travis, but the Travises are still there. Yeah, he has facial hair. That's pretty much the only thing that separates us. Absolutely. Um, And uh, yeah, so check that out, and I think you'll enjoy that audio. So anyway, let's get on here with the conversation at hand. Let's talk a little bit about al-Baghdadi. We're going to talk about Donald Trump receiving an award for the First Step Act, of course, a bipartisan bill that was passed. Uh, He did sign it into office, and he does deserve some credit for that. However, Kamala Harris, because he was receiving this award, chose not to go, and I don't know if that's the best strategic idea, we'll talk about that as well. And also, the U.S. deficit, the American deficit, is now at a trillion dollars. So there you go. That's kind of exciting. But let's start with the death of El Baghdadi. Obviously, a huge moment. This man is the is the he was the current leader of ISIS. He was their figurehead. He was their spokesperson. He was he was their guru. He was their go-to guy. He was Osama bin Laden 2.0. Basically, he was like Osama bin Laden if Osama bin Laden also really loved to eat Burger King and Chick-fil-A because he was a little heavy. Yes. And, um, and he had his red beard and stuff like that. Long story short, uh, U.S. military goes in. They're, they're enacting the raid. Uh, obviously a dangerous situation. He ends up taking two children with him. They say they were both under the age of 13. They went to a location and he blew himself up. So he died, uh, you know, like a miserable tyrant as he is taking two children with him. Now, of course, we also have Donald Trump's response to the killing of al-Baghdadi. And uh, this is where You know, this is where you're going to get the typical sort of criticisms of the reaction, not the criticism of the event, of the actual action, but the criticism uh, of the reaction from Donald Trump because he makes his life more difficult than it has to be. Well, he saw he saw how Obama went about it and then Trump did the exact opposite. He did not go the subtle nuanced uh restrained route he, no. he was like freddy krueger <laughs> describing how he's gonna yeah. like slice and dice you in your dreams <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he really like, was he, he like described all the different fatalities in mortal Kombat <laughs> to, to talk about killing al-baghdadi he was whimpering he, he was crying yeah he like popped in a halloween sound effects cassette yeah. and really just went to town on on apparently he said the words screaming and crying like oh, yeah. eight different times and whimpering whimpering was his he loved to say that that Al Baghdadi was whimpering and like how dogs. Well, the thi- he loved dog imagery in this too because well, Al Baghdadi died like a dog, but he was also chased down by dogs. And then he he ha- was happy to re- to tweet out a picture of a dog being awarded by Trump with a medal. It was injured. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of so dogs are good and evil in this story of Al Baghdadi to well, Trump, according to Trump. Now, of course, strategically, the question is. Does that make us safer, right? Uh, so when Obama announced the death of Osama bin Laden, I'll never forget, I was hanging out at Eddie, uh, Ed Larson's bar from Brighter Side and, of course, Round Table of Gentlemen, uh, the Village Poor House. We were hanging out. We had just finished a comedy show. We were having a great time. All of a sudden, Obama comes on and be like, we got him. Uh, and they show the picture of the war room and all these things. And, and everyone in the bar was chanting, USA, USA. It was just a very fun time to be in New York during the death of Osama bin Laden because, you know, just New York, let's just say it got hit hard on 9-11 and it sticks with people. Now, the way that Donald Trump addressed it it was a 45-minute speech and he, okay, so let's just go through some of the concerns. And again, I'm happy Al-Baghdadi is dead. He's a horrible person and like, good job, U.S. military, you you did it. 
what he did was just all of those sentences are such good. They're so good for ISIS propaganda. It's just so good. What he did, he's a master brander. Yes. Or so they say. Because the product sucks, but the branding's great. And what he did when he talked about him whimpering, calling him a dog over and over and over again, that is going to be played at nauseum when it comes to recruiting for future ISIS terrorists. And that is a mistake that is being talked about a little bit, although I haven't, you know, that to me, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, you have just cut a wrestling promo. You just cut a heel promo. And what you said, you don't even understand the full implication of how those words are going to be not even twisted. No, not even just literally there will not just be taking any like editing uh, done on on these on, on these on the speech. It'll just be played verbatim. Yes, and I don't. I'm not one of these people who are, it's like, oh, we better placate. We we don't want to offend ISIS because then they're going to get mad. There, it's a hardcore ideology that you know people buy into hook, line, and sinker. I don't think that this is like one of those. Like I don't think he created more ISIS members with this. But what he did was give ISIS. Something that they love to have, which is more of a reason to hate America. Not that uh, they're horrible. ISIS is absolutely horrible. Not that they need more reasons. It's just there's more strategic ways to go about announcing the death of al-Baghdadi as opposed to doing it as if you're reading a prompter written by a, a comic book writer. Well, so ISIS, either way, is going to you know continue hating yes, America. Of course. But there is this strange, bitter irony about all this sort of from a top-down perspective al-Baghdadi himself was he was a an, a religious nerd up until around 2003 uh but in 2003 he was actually captured by american forces and like put into a uh he was in camp buka which is a islamic prison essentially mm-hmm. uh during the invasion of of iraq and then he was radicalized in that prison and then he would go on to become the famous al-Baghdadi who um you know like during the orlando uh the pulse nightclub shooting right the shooter called 911 and pledged allegiance to al-Baghdadi in that right. phone call and then went on to shoot up the nightclub. So this is the kind of figurehead mm. that that al-Baghdadi was and it was right. sort of mm. pr- so by by doing what yeah like you, like what you're saying like by giving this speech you are kind of perpetuating the continuance of this legacy this good right. versus this quote unquote good versus evil battle by by being in kayfabe by by being right. by being the evil American the ugly American even um Assad was doing an interview recently and he was like I like Trump as president because unlike every other American president he's transparently evil and self-serving and in in a way I mean, <laughs> in a way that makes it very simple for us to be like ah yes this is the this is genuinely what Mer- America is but, all about but of course we don't I mean the fact that Assad hates Trump is like good for Trump I suppose no, because he Assad he is a whore. Likes him. He said he likes him. Well, yes, because he is, you know, so open about uh, the policies that he's putting forward in the Middle East. But I mean, yes, it's very interesting. And of course, the guy who shot up the Pulse nightclub was Omar Mateen. And that is still one of the most. I mean, they're all every mass shooting is extremely tragic. And uh, that was just devastating. So, yes, uh, al-Baghdadi's reach because of social media, because of the technology of our time cannot be understated. And uh, it's a good thing that he is off the battlefield. Uh, again, however, just Donald Trump. Being Donald Trump uh, was probably, I'm just going to say, not the best way 
uh, to respond to good news. I don't understand how he constantly gets in his own way, but that is who he is. And now he will be using this exclusively on the campaign trail. He has already begun with the political ads. If you get a chance to turn on your television, uh, Donald Trump is already blasting the airwaves when it comes to, um, you know, talking about the killing of El Baghdadi. And he's using it for his own political gain. When it comes to his 2020 campaign, on Friday night, Donald Trump gave a speech, and he began it by talking about al-Baghdadi's death. Uh, this is what he said. He said uh, the U.S. military had, quote, executed a masterful raid that ended his wretched life and punched out his ticket to hell. That is literally from a speech. <laughs> punched out his ticket to hell from Donald Trump. Obviously, his fans went crazy. He was in Mississippi. He was in Tupelo. Mississippi, uh, he says he was a savage and a soulless monster, but his reign of terror is over. Um, and so, you know, he's going to be using this more and more as the 2020 campaign continues to, to show himself as the strong man that he wants to be so badly. Now, interestingly enough, when it comes to support for actually having ground troops over in that region, people who are Iraq war veterans are dramatically more opposed to it than traditional uh, Republicans. Uh, so Donald Trump, among active veterans, when he talks about, this is the sort of weird thing that he plays, right? Where he's like, I'm getting our troops out, but I'm still like killing al-Baghdadi, like doing it. And obviously he's not getting our troops out. Um, that was, that just simply did not happen. But this is the sort of like dance that he's trying to do on foreign policy, which is difficult to be an anti-interventionist in theory. And then also, project yourself as a strong wartime president because technically every president over the past 17 years has been a wartime president but interestingly enough among veterans 64 percent say the war in iraq was not worth fighting 62 percent of civilians feel the same way uh so disagreements with the conflict in, Af in afghanistan are lower 58 percent of veterans and 59 percent of the general public believe that was also not a worthy war Will some veterans supported continue mili continued military engagement in Syria? More than half, 55%, oppose it. And that's just an interesting stat, I thought, because usually you think about military men being ready mm -hmm. to go and fight, and that's kind of their MO. But in this case, they really don't support the policies, or the majority don't support the policy of interventional and interventionalist role in the Middle East. Yeah, well, tr you know, Trump is trying to have it all. He He's... You know, said he was going to pull those forces out, but the thing is, they uh, they apparently knew roughly where Al Baghdadi was. Uh, oh yeah. for a while. But when Trump made this this sort of uh, last minute decision to withdraw the troops from from northern Syria, yes. they pushed the mission into overdrive, and uh, and that's that's when they got him. And yeah, he was like, oh, I got to get my I got to get my Obama Osama um, like accolades for, right. for killing Al Baghdadi. So. Even if I fuck this up, I need to at least uh, talk about how killing this guy was like um, eating dog food or whatever he was saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, again, this is going to be a cornerstone for Donald Trump's uh, campaign. So we will see how that plays out. Obviously, it's going to be a political winner. I mean, that's just the way that it's going to work out. But is it going to be enough uh, to get him over the finish line in 2020? Who the hell knows what's going to happen, uh, but I am optimistic for the future. Who is not optimistic right now? Beto O'Rourke. Beto is gone. Speaking of presidential candidates, uh, Beto O'Rourke has decided to end his presidential bid. I don't believe he was going to qualify for the next debate, 
And Travis, I know you're you're a Beto head. I'm pretty sure that's what they're called. And um, how do you feel? How do you feel right now knowing that Beto is gone, but uh, not forgotten? Although I I think I've just forgotten his last name. Well, um, you know he he brought you know he was born to be in it, and now he's out of it. Yeah, but, uh, he was born he was born that way. You know he he brought the world a great gift, which was the word fuck. Thank and, God, so um, brave and shit. You know. Uh, to his credit, the the last thing he did do was, you know, the last big thing that he was doing was uh, he did question the the media in that like weird outburst that he said where he was like, "What the fuck, media? What the fuck about the about the shooting in El Paso?" That at least was a fun and like good critique of the media. Like, why sure. do you, why do you allow Trump to uh, to call? Mexicans rapists and stuff? And uh, at least at least he did that. At least it, he he. Uh, he like made people a little bit like back on their heels. You know, even Buttigieg was like, "Oh, he's insane," which is great because uh-huh. Buttigieg is a little Boy Scout, um, right? But well, uh, I think he definitely made himself unelectable in Texas. Yeah, sure. Which is interesting because he easily could have ran for Senate and very possibly could have won uh, because the senator that he would have unseated would not have been Ted Cruz. I don't. I I can't think of a person that has ran for president and ruin their political career not because of a scandal just because of how bad they were at being a politician on the national stage the mandatory gun buyback program is he will never see another elected official uh, we talked about this last week he'll never have a, another elected office in texas i don't think you don't think so at all no that was like i understand it in theory i really do it's just, you know the amount of bloodshed that would be on the streets? Cops would be getting killed every day. It would be like Ruby Ridge on every single block in, like, every single southern town. Like, there's just no way a mandatory buyback would ever work. It was too extreme for Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris. Biden. Like, it was too extreme for everyone. So, you know. But obviously, the, the buyback program I am for because you never know. People's lives change, you know. If yeah. someone goes through... The way that gun fanaticism works, literally you can go through a phase where you just get 30 freaking guns. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, you found love and you have children and you're like, I got to get rid of all these guns. Like a, a buyback program should definitely be in place. I'm very pro buyback program because we got to get these guns off of the streets. Uh, but when it comes to the mandatory buyback, I was like, this it was such a Hail Mary that landed on the 20 yard line. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, why? Like, this is not going to, like, I know he had to get some momentum, but he just did it. He tried to do it in, like, the worst possible way. Do you think he saw the he saw the writing on the wall and he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here? It came very abruptly. Apparently, his staffer just didn't even know it was going to happen uh, until, like, moments before. He's like, I think this is it. I have no idea what information he got maybe he realized he wasn't qualifying for the next debate and was just like you know what uh if i'm not gonna qual if you're not qual honestly if you're not qualifying for the next debate that's sort of the time where people have to start dropping out and so the best thing he did the thing that makes me actually respect him a little bit was he stopped taking people's money um because that's the thing with a lot of these politicians a lot of these political campaigns they can use those they can use those funds for other political campaigns which i don't even know if that should be allowed quite honestly uh because that's when you see these exorbitant uh you know costs coming in and then you can just basically move that 
to if you want a Senate run or, yeah. or a congressional or a House run, you can take that money that was given to you as a run for president and use it for that. You can allocate the funds that way. You know, you know what happened on the same day that uh, Beto dropped out? What? Rage Against the Machine announced a reunion tour. Thank God. And you know what the first date on that reunion tour is? What? El Paso, Texas. There, so he, wanted, he wants to go. Beto is no longer concerned about politics. Rage is back mm-hmm. ahead of 2020, and he is he's going he is going to be following Rage on this tour from Texas through Arizona I to love Northern it. California. He's if he does that, then he's back in my good graces. He's then, he, then I'm like, okay, bro, Beto's, now I like you again. Beto is raging out with uh, Zach De La Roca, and I say that's great. And I love that for him. That's incredible news. And I love Rage Against the Machine. I think I might be too scared to go watch them live on account that in Chicago they started a riot. I can't be rioting is the problem. Although maybe their fans are, they're probably all my age now. So I feel like the people that rioted in Chicago probably wouldn't do that anymore. Do you remember that riot they caused? Uh, where it was, was the rooftop concert. It was incredible. It was above a parking garage. Or it was in a parking garage on the top floor. And they were just like rocking because it's a very political band, obviously. And then people just got, got so amped up because the music is awesome that they just went and like destroyed Chicago. So Beto is gone. Beto mania. It lasted for a little while. Um, I think when it was a binary choice between he and Ted Cruz, Beto looked really, really good. Oh, yeah. And then uh, totally. once once the ghoul of Texas is gone, everyone's just like, I don't know. It's like. I don't know. It's just like a weird dating show where like the woman just chooses the guy because he's slightly cuter, and then he re- she realizes that uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot going on. Yeah, does he? He has a neck tattoo, but no personality. There you go. Although I don't want to be too harsh. I do. I'm, whatever. He just running for president is hard. It always it, seemed it, it very, is very hard. It always he always seemed very like what are you supposed to do with this guy? He is doing an Obama impression, right? And there isn't much substance here. Until a giant tragedy happens, and now he wants to like put up his dukes. Well, talking about what what we were talking about earlier, going back to Donald Trump and El Baghdadi, this is the difficult thing that you have to toe as a politician. The line of, when do I look like I'm exploiting a tragedy for political gain, and when do I seem as if I'm actually compassionate or celebrating along with, in the case of Donald Trump, a victory for the people of this country? Like, if Donald Trump goes too far in... When it comes to exploiting the death of El Baghdadi, it could flip on him a little bit, and people will just be like, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than your election. This is about the people that died (laughs) in the Middle East. This is about the treasure and the money that we and the lives that we lost in the Middle East, and this is about trying to save lives in the future. And the same thing happened when it comes to Beto O'Rourke. After El Paso, everyone, obviously, it's like cliche, our hearts go out, and our hearts, I mean, it's fucking it's horrible yes. what happened right of course but then at some point it i personally think it sort of omeletted to the point where it's like okay buddy but now are you just you do you care and i'm sure he does i'm sure he does care about the people of el paso i'm sure he does but it just reads once you put things through the political lens that the the, the bizarre world that our politics it just started to read a little bit like okay bud it seems like you might be exploiting this at this time yeah, it's a thing that it probably really actually, you know, deeply affected him, obviously. Of course it did. Um, it's horrible. And in that way, it's like, maybe you should take some time 
uh, away from the issue uh, or away from uh, the campaign because you are obviously undergoing a sort of a philosophical transformation within yourself. Right. Uh, and it, it's sort of coming out in these big broad strokes on that's the campaign a good, trail. That's a good point. When you do sort of propose a policy idea, again, like the mandatory buybacks, are, are you going to take their guns if you're president? Shit, yeah. I think it was like shit, yeah, or something like yeah. that. Um, hell, yeah, we're going to take your guns. Like when you do sort of evolve right in front of the American yes. people's eyes, some people, including myself, would be like, do you really know what you believe at this point? Like the thing with Elizabeth Warren, like her or not like her, same same thing with Bernie Sanders, like him or not like him, they know what they believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, they are Bernie's been saying the same damn Bernie thing for forty anyone. years. Bernie, Bernie more than anyone. Yes. Absolutely. I would say so. Yeah. Forty years, ever since his first run to be mayor of Burlington, Vermont, it sounds the exact same. Yes, it's just the <laughs> it's same the message, same. which is like Let's be fair to everyone. Let let's let's get rid of corporate interests. It's just the same thing. He just wants people to. He wants to reach a broader audience, and he wants to get. I don't know. He wants to. He wants that message to actually come true. Well, and I think that's why it's resonated with so many people. And Elizabeth Warren, a very similar thing. Although there are some people, you know, Bernie still has a massive hold on the progressive movement within the Democratic Party. I know a lot of people who are, a lot of women who are Bernie Bros. Just a lot. Uh, and uh, which I think is very interesting because the biggest Bernie Bros, as in like what? ladies, but there's Bernie Bros. I just call it, Bernie supporters are just Bernie Bros. I know, but what what is a Bernie Bro to you? I suppose a Bernie Bro is someone who is ride or die. Bernie Bro is just straight isn't up that, like I believe. Isn't in, that what they the sort of the term they coined to to sort of indicate someone is like a, a an abuser or is harassing? No, that's what the Hillary Clinton campaign tried to coin. Okay, so I, I yeah, because Bernie Bro has this connotation of like no, an, the Clintons, an, on, an online harassment campaign thing, which the, I I think is way more uh, manufactured than it really is. Oh, it's it's total. I mean, Bernie supporters are insane. Yes, so are a lot of supporters of political candidates uh, because his rhetoric is that of a revolution. And when you have rhetoric that involves the word revolution, you're going to have people who are extremely into your idea. And they're going to act accordingly. So, you know, when it comes to Bernie supporters, same thing with Andrew Yang. I talked about this like three weeks ago. The Yang gang on Twitter also does that thing where they like gang up on people. And like, it's just Twitter. I do not give a shit. But I just feel like it's such a horrible look. But that's just, that's just the way that people are. But Bernie has a still, as a, going back to Politicon, you know, the, he has a lot of support. And, you know, like the Young Turks and all these kinds of people, you know, they still, they still love the Bernster. They're still feeling the burn, and they are not entirely sold on Elizabeth Warren. They don't know if she's exactly the real deal because they see her as like too centrist. I would never say that. I I don't. I guess I'm I'm unfamiliar with Politicon overall, but I mean, if you set you you said it yourself, you know, the two active participants in this political Comic Con were the Trump people. And the Bernie people, yeah, absolutely. No more clearly does that does that indicate to me that Bernie is the type of person who would probably actually win head to head with Trump because well, of the energized bases that both of these mm, people. I don't know if Politicon. I don't, well, no one that's wants a, that, to go there. However, Trump is president. Yeah, you know, and that's the type of that's well, there the kind was, of energy that got him there. And the only other person, according to you. Uh, at this at this sort of political event that that comes out 
with that same energy are the Bernie people. Yeah, they have a. There was a lot there more no, Trumpers. There are no Buttigieg people out there, like saying like middle of the road centrism rocks. Like there are no like uh, there are no people uh, with Biden shirts saying folksy shit about cornfields at Politicon, right? Like no, it, it is no, the energy there was behind the Biden. Bernie Sanders campaign that is motivated that is animating all these people in the same yeah. way that the Trump people are animated. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a huge amount uh, of energy. I don't know if Politicon is a That's the thing. proper it's, sample I, I, size. Probably because not, but it's just it it's, is it's where sort of people just like, go. You say that, you say, you, you know, you're talking about how there's there's basically two types of people at this thing. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me that yeah. those are the type of people that, that would not, go to Politicon. That not only would go to Politicon, but also convince people who are maybe on the fence or um, undecided a little bit or a little bit ambivalent. But that energy does it does get um, it's contagious. Contagious, exactly. That yeah. that is the whole point. We'll see. I mean, I don't know if it's going to translate into votes necessarily. Obviously, Bernie is now still uh, the third place candidate in the vast majority of polls. Uh, progressives are you know kind of weighing in on Elizabeth Warren versus Bernie Sanders. So we're going to see the way that plays out. But that is a fascinating component to this 2020 election. The Democratic primary, it's going to get messier, too, as times go, as, as this thing gets going. You know, again, I'm sure all of you already know this, but it's only 2019. When 2020 actually hits, this is going to, it's you know, claws are going to come out and we're going to see. It's going to get, it's going to be a messy ass primary at some point for sure. I, and I also will say I'm glad that Beto is dropping out because I hope, I hope Got that it, it emboldens. Uh, some other candidates to drop out as well. Well, you know, as we were talking about, man. I hope Kamala Harris gets the gets the memo. Well, um, a lot of people they just run and they continue to run as long as they're making money. I guess that's again, the thing because Beto he was cutting staff apparently. As long as they're making money, they can use it for a future political uh, ambition. Unless they don't want to have any more political ambition. In which case, they threw a big party that has like 150 kegs and a lot of cake, mm -hmm. and they spend all of the money that you gave them. So Kamala Harris, she very well might just be doing that going forward. Uh, she just wants to collect as much money as she possibly can in order to help herself because uh, in another political campaign because there's no denying she's going she's gonna to stay in the political sphere mm -hmm. uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, speaking of Kamala Harris, she could not believe... Uh, that Donald Trump got a criminal justice award. So Kamala Harris initially, speaking of decisions being made on the fly, initially she had pulled out of this event at Benedict College. Benedict College is a historically black college, and evidently there was a sponsor for this event uh, that had given President Trump uh, a bipartisan justice award, okay? And because of that, she was like, I'm not going to this, I'm not going to this college. I can't believe it's being brought to you by this by this uh, institution that gave Donald Trump this award for criminal justice reform. But then they removed the uh, the sponsor. And uh, because of that, she went back and said she'll do her presentation. But I just feel like, first of all, the first step act is great. Bipartisan. Yes. Um, but Donald Trump didn't have to sign it. And it's a lot of Republican uh, presidents wouldn't have signed it and a lot of democrat presidents wouldn't have signed it either the the 94 crime bill which needs to still be something talked about when it comes to joe biden 
that's Democrats. I mean, obviously Republicans, uh, you know, controlling Congress, but it is it is a good thing. And I just don't understand Kamala Harris's like I'm not going because of this or that. It, to me, it just doesn't to me like what if you don't show up, you just you're not there. And if you're not there, you're forgotten about. Don't you? I mean, it's, it's politics like the same thing with her spending so much time on the debate. First of all, not she has not she has not come out with a single policy. She needs to drop out. I mean, she just <laughs> needs to drop out. But who cares at this point? I mean, uh, <sighs> honestly, the media has decided if it's not Warren or Biden, they they think Buttigieg. Right right now, Buttigieg is the is what mainstream media considers to be the front runner. And so you already have Warren, you already have Sanders, you already have Biden, who is the zombie candidate. Just drop out Kamala Harris. Just just leave. It well, I mean, at the same time, you know, she has every right to run for president and all of that stuff. I just I'm not I don't if she can get something going and we'll see because she has qualified for the next debate. And that's kind of my measure, although I know it's completely contrived and arbitrary and the way that we're deciding who gets to go into these debates based upon money and four polls over five percent, something like this. Some stupid ass thing. She's in the next debate, so I, she can stay in. I just wish that her campaign would start making the right decision. Like, every decision she's making does not look good. I understand what she's saying, being like, I'm against. I actually don't understand where she's coming <laughs> from with this one. But I, she's against Donald Trump, so yeah. I get it. So it's like, oh, they gave an award to Donald Trump, and they're helping with this event. I cannot allow, like, it's too much. It's I don't maybe she's just overthinking it. Yeah. Just go to the event. Like that's the one if you don't show up, no one hears you and no one wants the person who takes their football and goes home because they're slightly or their, or their skateboard or their skateboard and goes home. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Things didn't go perfectly for you. But like if you're president, you're going to be put into situations where you you're going to be around a lot of scumbags. Yeah. And you can't just not show up. Because no one really cares. If you're not there, you're not there. And then everyone else just gets to fill the power vacuum that you've left behind. So I don't fully understand where her campaign I is mean, right now. Just listen. You know, I, I think of the monster mash. You know, Why do you think of the monster you mash? You know, it was, a, it was a graveyard smash. And it, there were a lot of different warring factions at, the monst at, the, at this graveyard smash. Dracula was there, the mummy, uh, the werewolf. You know, uh -huh. these, are, these are not friends. But they're at the the monster mash, and right. they're it's a it's like this great country. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It is different a patchwork of different beliefs and uh, creeds. Uh -huh. And she really should listen to that that song one more time. Maybe she should. Yeah, get in get into the mood and uh, and realize yeah you're going to be around a, a lot of ghouls, and then also understanding the way that the process works. No president gets everything they want, and so. I, I stand I stand with my support of Elizabeth Warren when it comes to what she's doing right now because quite honestly, I like that she's folksy. She's a folksy gal. She's a folksy gal. Who's the folksiest? Who's the folksiest? Elizabeth Warren. You think Elizabeth Warren is the folksiest? She's by far the folksiest. Yeah, what why wouldn't you Biden think? says the word folks every other sentence or every yeah, other Joe, word. No, Joe Biden, he's what the He's what funny conservatives they would say he's a liberal li limousine liberal. Oh, what is your definition of folksy though? Folksy, like Elizabeth Warren. 
She, I mean, like she's she's glad handing and like patting people. Yeah, in the she back wears. And, she's got her nice little folksy outfit, and she's like she lives a folksy life. I just feel like I could listen to like Gordon Lightfoot with her. I think. Uh, I think we could listen to a little wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah. I don't need to have a beer with my president. I just want to be able to rock out to some Lightfoot. You don't think Biden rocks out to Ario Speedwagon? Well, we have the Spotify list, oh, and I, I think it was all like. <laughs> Nelly or something. Oh yeah, right. Biden was like the Jonas Brothers for some reason. Yeah, because he, of course, Joe Biden. No, that doesn't make me think that he might be a pedophile if he likes the Jonas Brothers. Right. Well, and then Warren was. We got Dolly Parton. Yeah. So I guess she is a little bit more folksy. Um. Now let's get to some real news though. Uh. Because Epstein, right, is back in the news because somehow his news of him vanished completely off of. Every website. Isn't that funny? Isn't that crazy? Weird. That this humongous scandal uh, just vanished off the face of the earth. No one uh, prosecuted. But Michael Baden, um, the a, an independent pathologist, celebrity was, coroner, celebrity coroner, and the you know the reason we say celebrity coroner is because he had an HBO show. No, he's literally a celebrity yeah, coroner. He, yeah. he had he had for several seasons an HBO show called Autopsy. Yes. Uh, but so he is. The Epstein family gave him a ring, and they're like, "Yo, bro, you gotta r- look at the facts let's again. Do, let's do this again." So let's he did not. It. So he did not do. He was there during the autopsy. Yes, and so he did not come out with any conclusions that haven't already been concluded. Yes, but he now, just kind of mis not misinterpreted, reinterpreted them. I think at the time he he disagreed with the findings, but now he's making a point to bring up this uh, this point again that he thinks it's strangulation, that, right? That uh, that killed Jeffrey Epstein. Um, because of because of stuff like the hyoid bone being uh, being fractured, whereas mm-hmm. that's not very typical in a suicide. But uh, yeah, so I watched I watched some of Autopsy over uh, over the past couple of days. Uh-huh. Very interesting. He has little vignettes of crime, like of uh, of forensic stories. There's like a a 45 second little segment where he's like, "All right, now I'm going to tell you about the shark murder." Huh. And then he tells you about this. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, we had this. Um, we had this aquarium in Australia, and their their shark got sick, so they no went kid. and found another shark. And as soon as they got the shark in the tank, uh, the shark threw up an arm, huh. and then on the arm there was this tattoo. And so we did all this cross referencing. We found that the uh, we found the guys the the guy that whose arm this belonged to. We found his wife, and she was like, "Oh yeah, he was hanging out with some rough customers." And then we go to the we go to the rough customers and say, "Hey, did you kill this guy? Because we found his arm in the belly of a shark." And they're like, oh, you know what? Yeah, that was us. And then they take it to court, and the judge says, uh, yeah, we can't uh, we can't convict because it's just an arm, and there's no body. There's no rest of the body. Right. <laughs> and it's like 45 seconds of Michael Baden telling you this. So uh, a shark killed Jeff- Jeffrey <laughs> Epstein. No, uh, Epstein. No. Is that what we're that's, saying? That's what, yeah, the, that's the conclusion is that a shark somehow well, bit the arm off of Jeffrey Epstein. All right, so this is interesting. Obviously, it's a it's a kind of a big story in many ways, as as uh, Travis alluded to. I, you guys know what I think about this. I believe that Jeffrey Epstein was a multi billionaire man uh, who lived a life of comfort and the and of course already on suicide watch. And the idea of being in prison was simply too much. He had a lot of secrets, and uh, I think that he died with those secrets. Would he have? I, I believe that it was a suicide. I do not. But you do not, Travis. And wh- why do you not believe that? Because this is a guy that he already eluded the justice system once before. Unbelievably, 
he was able to. He well, had so many people saying this guy raped a field of women, and he somehow escaped the justice system. Well, he got and he, in, in his county in two thousand and what was it? Seven, 2008? 2008, That's yeah. when Acosta was... Uh, when Acosta in- basically got him a plea deal. Yeah. And he escaped justice. And, right. uh So what is it about this particular time that, that he thought that w- it, things were going to be any different? Well, I mean, when I you think have that much time, money, when you have that much money, it really does change the reality of your situation. I believe that this time it had changed just the nature. The society has changed, number one. Uh, there was much more uh, involvement in the case. A lot of people never heard of Jeffrey Epstein before this round. We've been talking about him for years. Yeah, but now, look, nobody gives a shit. And nobody knows about him anymore. Like right after this, right after this death. I just find it to be difficult to think that. What I see is simple incompetence of the New York City jail system, right? Because it's like everyone's like, "Oh my God, the guards are supposed to check on him every twenty minutes," and I'm like. Well, the they gu- don't. They don't do their jobs, and the way and the camera were not working in the cell. It's like nothing works in the New York City jail system. Like Rikers Island is about to be closed, supposedly in two years. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I just think it's the 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 most rational thing to me is a dude who is a fucking billionaire who got pampered his entire life realized that he was up shit creek without a paddle, and he's not a strong man. He's a weak man, he's- and he killed himself. He escaped justice once before. He has more money than most. I mean, he had he had what five hundred million dollars was I think his net worth. He is able to to do things that most people cannot, which is, includes changing your situation in this sort of legal matter. Right before he died, he was having uh, women brought in to have sex with him. I don't know if you knew that. In the jail, <laughs> yes, he had conjugal visits with women that were brought to him. So he was having he was getting laid. Uh, I don't know about that. The, yeah, this is true. Uh, and he, he are was, you sure? Yes, and he was in good spirits. Did you hear that on like Joe Rogan or something? No. Are you sure? Yes. We'll we'll look it up. We'll look it up. We have to look it up. But uh, he was in good spirits. He was also paying women off from from the Manhattan Correctional uh, Center. This was somebody who, and also, you know, Epstein. His whole thing was about perpetuating himself he he wanted you know he he was into these uh seeding projects he wanted to continue his influence the idea that he would think to commit suicide you know he, in his head he probably felt like he had all the cards that was in two that was in that was in the first uh time that he went to jail what the sex stuff yeah the uh, the uh that was in 2004 uh, when he was uh, had 13 months in custody. Yeah, then I knew he was he had a bunch of conjugal visits and he had a bunch of people come into his offices and stuff. But in New York, he did not. Well, and I be think- that as it may, it does not point to someone committing suicide. The idea, he he just knew that he could fuck with things. Yeah, this was the story. It was uh, Nadia Marcinkakova whom allegedly um, Epstein allegedly purchased from her family and brought to the U.S. around 2001 at the age of 15. Good fucking, good grief, what a life this guy had. Um, bragging that she was, quote, his Yugoslavian sex slave. She was allowed to visit him in his Palm Beach County jail in 2008 while he was doing time for soliciting sex from a minor. So that I did know about, and that is she visited him 90 times. This was an article that was published in the New York Post September 23rd, 2019. So 
right around the time uh, when all these suicide conversations was happening. I Whatever it is, the sad thing is, at the end of the day, there won't be any justice for the victims. No. So we can't lose sight of that. But and all of the secrets that that man had are now gone in the forever hell that he's in. And even Ghislaine, this is an interesting thing that, that Travis brought yes, up to me. Yes, actually, let me read this. So This is crazy. This is a crazy little detail. Um, on August 16th, so this is the date. Do you remember these pictures of Ghislaine Maxwell yes. sitting at the In-N-Out uh, that, were tur- that turned out to be fake? They yes. turned out to be Photoshopped. Um, it was Ghislaine Maxwell sitting in an, at an In-N-Out reading a book about the death of CIA agents. Mm-hmm. Um, the day after that photo was released, the U.S. Customs computer system. So the thing that allows people to, tra- uh, that sort of like verifies people's credentials going from uh, the U.S. to international uh, countries. That went out. There was an outage for an entire day. And you can look this up. So weird. Uh, uh, this is, you know, from this is from Washington Post on August uh, 16th of 2019 customs and border protection computer outage leads to slowdown at international airports across the United States this was the day after that <laughs> so after that photo came to light and then uh, and then she was gone in the wind uh, <laughs> which just which doesn't mean anything all other, we are are pedophile enablers in the wind it doesn't mean anything other than what the fuck you know like yeah. what exactly is happening and it really just adds to the to the head scratching yeah. of like, was this foul play or was this suicide or what is happening to the, who this is, is what, this is exactly the conversation that they want us to be having. The conspiracy talk. Yes. I know. Because I think, this is the conversation where we're not talking about without a doubt. There is a black book somewhere. There is, there, there are literally was a black, book. there is a black book somewhere. And the, and the guy that had it last is dead. That is <laughs> full of names of people that are very powerful that participated in sex with minors around provided by Jeffrey Epstein. Like we're still, we're losing the forest for the trees. We, there's still a massive pedophile ring that is no, as, as Travis mentioned, the death of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, whether it be suicide or whether it be me or dear, um, he pissed off a lot of people. He had a lot of secrets and a lot of very powerful folks. So, you know, that that's I we can have that conversation. It does always kind of annoy me when it becomes mainstreamed. Um, because like, you know, like Sarah Silver, like everyone's like, it's it's a it's a it's a murder. I'm like, let's we have to think about this. But the one thing that we need to not lose sight of is the victims of Jeffrey Epstein, who are once again being forgotten, and the fact that he had an organized group of people. Enough people, enough powerful, prominent people who at least knew that something was going on, at the very least, if not participated. I want to know those names. And the fact that we're not talking about it still, it's like Jeff Zucker at CNN. Like, what does he know? Does he know Jeff? Like, these people are so connected with each other. And to Travis's point, and I understand why you think it could be murder, because there's a lot of people that were super happy. Uh, that he was that he's dead, um, but what do those people know? Why aren't they reporting on it whatsoever? Why are we just doing this at nauseum when it comes to television news specifically? In this case, uh, just talking about the impeachment inquiry, which we can talk about here briefly, and we don't. There's no. There's nothing. There's no information coming out but, whatsoever. But you say, back to your what you you said. This is what they want us to be talking about. Yeah. This 
the actual conspiracy of Epstein? They want us to talk about the conspiracy, what happened, muddy the waters. They don't want us to remember that we had a former president, a current president. In the past oh, no, no. This is- 30 years, we've had two presidents that we know for a fact have had sex with children. Well, then let's keep, keep talking. I mean, I, I understand kind of what you're saying, but also this is good. I yeah. I, I said this on side stories, and I, and I didn't really elaborate further, but this there is a positive energy behind this particular conspiracy theory there are a lot of conspiracy theories that turn people's brain into swiss cheese and makes them and they just they just end up at a dead end and bumping their head against the wall there is a positive energy to this conspiracy theory because it it promotes class consciousness in in my head it 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 Mm -hmm. says okay now you understand where you are in this system every time you think about this story every time you think about the the possible machinations at work that led to Epstein's death. You're right. reminded that you are a pawn in the sort of elite game. Like you, it just any time that you can be reminded of what uh of what our betters quote unquote think of us. Oh um, yeah, and they're not better. No, billionaires are morons for the most part. But every time you can be reminded of where they want you to be kept at, what level they want you to be kept at, and what in the and how in the dark they want you to be. That's a good thing for me. That's a good thing to be reminded of that because every time you realize that this is happening, this this continues to happen, and we're not uh, we're not we're not sort of you know like you said being distracted by the impeachment inquiry that is just sort of like one step we'll, of ninety we'll talk different. About it, yeah, but it, it is it is important to be cognizant of because that is not a conspiracy. The idea, no, no, of course, the idea that the billionaire class the billionaires are do have straight up pedophile islands they're just like they're just like you and i you know i mean don't we all have friends that have a pedophile island um but let's talk absolutely in that conversation we'll we'll continue to hear more uh coming out from the coroner of course the coroner was paid by the epstein family I, maybe there's a financial but no, situation that's there another, because- i will i will make this point as well to what end is having this pathologist do this right now well i would think if it was a suicide that when it comes to insurance and things like that things would change if it's murder uh then i believe they would probably get more money insurance policies oftentimes have like caveats for suicide and stuff like that so i would assume it's financially motivated um just because it seems like the family lineage is motivated mm. and gets their self-worth from money my my impulse was to, to think like wouldn't it be more in the interest of epstein's brother to have this case closed as quickly as possible to get insurance money i don't know So i'm just saying like i don't really understand you know fuck up epstein's brother i don't know who epstein's brother no is idea. but uh it's like is this is this because this brother is legitimately like i think there's something to be it, it could be, be that it could or, be that as or, well or or you know is it, i guess that's a good point like is is murder a different uh insurance payout um, but I, I would well, assume that somebody would want this case closed immediately to get something like an insurance money, but I don't know. We'll, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. It's still obviously, but anyway, Delaine Maxwell completely vanished. She's uh, gone. the case is closed as far as the, <laughs> the state of New York is concerned. And now it just lives in the, in the court of podcast and public. Now opinion. it is. Yeah. It is all, it is only reverberations in your, uh, headphones. You know, it, it is not going to be it. discussed at length anymore um most anywhere well okay so let's talk a little bit about the impeachment inquiry and then we'll get to the conversation i had with andrew heaton and travis irvine it's a really fun conversation so please stick around for that 
talking about drama. So the impeachment inquiry, where yes. are we are now? Despite 24, this is just Mueller report 2.0. Basically, they propose the articles of impeachment. Yes. And basically what that is, is here's the rules of the game going forward. Here's what we're, here is how the inquiry will go. And uh, they voted basically to say, should we continue? Yes. So that's it. So the impeachment inquiry is still an inquiry. This is not articles of impeachment. They're, they're, they are deciding to vote if they should, should look vote. into <laughs> well to keep talking about it. Yes, and, to keep talking about it. And then, of course, if they do go forward and it becomes a formal uh, impeachment, then that will be something altogether, and that is very newsworthy. Uh, before that, we're going to have to hear public hearings. Yes. So this is sort of this is the precursor. So it's going forward. Um, it does not need to have like dramatic music under it, like when Wolf Blitzer talks about it, and it seems like we're invading Iraq all over again because the media loves to sell emotion, not stories. It is a this is a minutia. This is just the government slowly, slowly moving forward with potentially voting to impeach the president. And then impeachment, that's a whole nother process. Yeah. So it takes this is why there was just so much red tape in government. And it really is a part of it was created to make the government slow. That well, was the whole point. And the whole point also is to make people in office look like they're doing something when not actually having to truly vote. Because when you vote, it goes on your record and your record can be used against you, as we just talked about with Elizabeth Warren and her Medicare for all. Plan. Yes. Well, this this most recent vote on Thursday, the articles of impeachment inquiry vote maybe unsurprisingly it was almost a hundred percent the vote was down party oh lines. absolutely so it was i think only two democrats said nay but for the most part all democrats said yes let's continue a hundred percent of republicans said absolutely not yep and uh this is what we're going to see going forward though which is absolute unmitigated resistance to the impeachment not even the impeachment the questions about the impeachment they all all the house wants to do is can we yes. talk about this and the republicans say we will not even talk about what trump did the right. the, the ukraine uh, extortion call we won't even we won't even uh deign to discuss the uh the articles of impeachment and uh yeah I this mean, is this is what's going to go be happening going forward because everyone everyone every one of these republicans is now falling in line underneath Trump's will. Oh yeah, I mean they either fall in line, don't get reelected, or don't run for reelection. This is the this is the thing now. You're going to hear this a lot. The Soviet style impeachment. Have you have you heard this yet? Yeah, I've heard it. This is what the the game is. This is what the the drama is now. Yeah. Is let's we're going to cast this whole process as fraudulent, as a uh, as like a fake show trial. The, the whole uh, validity of it will be thrown. Basically, they're going to make it seem like yep. it's completely false. Absolutely. Uh, that is exactly what they're going to do. So there was a lot of speculation if centrist Democrats would end up supporting the uh, impeachment proceedings. Even Nancy Pelosi was like, I don't know, for a long time. And then, of course, the Ukraine call comes and uh, new information has come to light, dude. And now she is all for it. House Democrats that are centrist 
are facing potentially competitive re-election bids next year and are increasingly confident that the impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump won't prove as damaging as some of them have feared. If you look at the polling data right now, in the 57 most competitive battleground districts, 49% said they were in favor of moving forward with the impeachment inquiry, while 48% opposed the effort. So it's not exactly a landslide of support in swing districts, but it looks like the momentum is going in the right direction for the Democrats. And as long as we can hear more information, as long as more credible information comes to light, I know Trump is hemorrhaging a lot of staffers and former military, a lot of people just leaving the administration over this phone call and and over his sort of flippant attitude to foreign policy over the years. So I think we are going to hear a lot of interesting testimony, hopefully, if they allow it, because right now everything is behind closed doors. They're hearing the good stuff. And of course, well, all that uh, stuff it, will come out uh, in public hearings. Well, everything that can, you know, uh, uh, other than the things that they won't ask because it's for national security or whatever they else they want to keep private uh, under the guise of national security. Uh, which, of course, is something that the Republicans obviously don't care too much about, because in the Skiff meeting room, that's where that's sort of the uh, the special meeting room yes. where they talk about the most um, highly sensitive information. When Jim Jordan busted in, do you remember this? Yes. We talked about that. Yes. Well, evidently, uh, they, he did end up getting a picture of something that was sensitive, <laughs> yeah. and then that was like spread all around, and then everyone's like, "You are truly an idiot." And again, Republicans were in the meeting. Yes, so yeah. it's like, or they had abilities to be in the meeting. You can choose to show up or not show up, and some of them are just lazy enough not to. Uh, Apparently, that's a felony, by the way. Ridiculous. Like, <laughs> anyway. and, and everyone is just like, "All right, we're just not going to even call him on it." It's it's he, ridiculous. He took a picture of like somebody's Taco Bell lunch with uh, some coordinates. <laughs> like, Absolutely ridiculous. So we'll continue to see what happens with the impeachment inquiry. It's going forward. Uh, it seems like the majority of independents are for it. Obviously, the vast majority of Republicans are against it, and the vast majority of Democrats are for it. And it's for independents, it's around 56% that say it should go forward. So it's not necessarily a landslide, but that's also uh, but definitely significant. This will be interesting to see um, a president that is in the process of getting impeached going into an election well he's going to use it where i mean he's the he's the incumbent and there are no other they're already, uh, challengers they're already using it in uh, when i was out in tennessee their campaign ads are flaunting it yeah like they're really they love it and again i know that donald trump and bill clinton are two different people although you know they both have certain friends in common but um it helped bill clinton i don't know if it's gonna i don't know what the effect is gonna be oftentimes your enemies who hates you more is why people like you i don't know um, but it is going to be an interesting thing to see. Absolutely. But now that we're now that we're in it, I do think it has to happen. It, like oh, there, yeah, there, of ha- there, the idea that that uh, okay, well, it's it's obviously once it gets to the Senate, nothing's going to happen. They're just going to they're going to. Mitch says he's going to vote on it, but I, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Basically, Trump can't be impeached. But uh, I think there is it is such importance. There is so much importance to um, holding someone accountable. Because uh, if you don't hold yeah. someone like this accountable, you're basically uh, giving this sort of uh, permission to let authoritarianism spread and like let this uh, uh, yeah, breaking well, down of, of actual 
rules for the president. You're just letting these these things sort of fold in on themselves. Yeah, absolutely. No, of course, you got to keep the president in check. That is their entire job of checks and balances. So we'll see where the impeachment inquiry goes. Uh, yeah, just keep on following it. And uh, I'm excited for the testimonies to be coming out maybe next month. Although I do believe that uh, currently Congress is in recess because, um, you know, they always have to go out inside and play. And they don't uh, actually work that much. Tis the season to elect benefits through your workplace. Isn't that exciting? Most people know open enrollment as a decision time for health care coverage, but it's also the perfect moment to reassess your life insurance needs. To properly provide for their families, most people need 10 times the life insurance coverage than they get through their jobs, which means that your employer life insurance is leaving you underinsured. That is why Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for a life insurance plan that's not tied to your job. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. The life insurance you buy through Policy Genius stays with you even if you leave your job. Policy Genius doesn't just make it easy to get life insurance. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance and disability insurance too. And nobody appreciates Policy Genius's help more than me. I was on the hunt for the right insurance policy for me, and to be honest, I found the process to be ooh, quite overwhelming until Policy Genius stepped in. They make navigating the world of insurance easy and stress-free, even if you know nothing about insurance. So when you're looking at your workplace benefits this month, make sure to double-check your life insurance options. Then go to PolicyGenius.com to get quotes and apply in minutes. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right, everyone. Well, enjoy this uh, conversation I had with Andrew Heaton. He has a podcast called The Political Orphanage. You can check that out. And, of course, my campaign manager and uh, documentary director, Travis Irvine, as well. We're talking about Politicon and, uh, and a whole series of other fun things. So I hope you just enjoy this little slice of Ben Kissel laugh. Well, so this is, this is a triad meeting, then. This is a triad so, meeting, man. This is great. Ben Kissel hanging out with Andrew Heaton and Travis Irvine. Yeah. And this is going to be on Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, and this is also going to be an interview or a conversation on Andrew Heaton's podcast. The Political Orphanage. The Political yeah. Orphanage. So yeah. if you haven't had a chance to listen to Mr. Andrew Heaton's podcast, give it a go, uh, because he is an interesting fellow that I've known for multiple years, and I know you used to write on uh, the Fox Business show Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're much, much bigger than just that. I am. I, I am a man of, of uh, multied and varied ideas and backgrounds and all that kind of thing. And absolutely delightful and charming. So Absolutely. Uh, so let's get this trifecta of white males talking politics. Shall we? Yeah. Finally. Finally. Finally in this country, three white straight men can <laughs> get together and talk politics. Where, where are we right now? The reason that we all came together, we had... You think Comic-Con is for the nerds. No, 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 no. There's nothing... As nerdy as what we have just experienced we, here we in Nashville, to, yeah. Tennessee. We went to Politicon, which is a con for politics. Yeah. And I have never seen more MAGA hats. I got. I have to say, the Trumpers showed up in force. A lot of MAGA hats. A lot of MAGA hats. A lot of CAG hats. A lot of CAGs, which is apparently keep America great. So I don't know uh, what America is that, okay. uh, that they're sure. trying to keep great. I don't great, even know which one that is. is that's that... CAG. Yeah, but is, like, who, who is that for? It's the... It's the um, it's the stepbrother of MAGA who never went to college. Okay. Um, although I'm not sure what college MAGA went to either. So we all met up at Politicon and we're like, hey, we got it. We got a little microphone here. Let's just do a little chit-chatting. And overall, we saw James Comey speak. Yeah. And James Comey, he did an interview with Nicole Wallace. 
of MSNBC. I'm going to say this, not the most hard-hitting interview, because, of course, James Comey, and I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this, is currently potentially under investigation, and I would say potentially, most likely, under investigation for his actions in 2016. Absolutely, and that was opened up this week, and Nicole Wallace eh, just didn't uh, want to talk about it. Bring it up! Bring it up, Nicole! My God! So that one, we I think we only stuck around for 20 minutes. So what is, but what is Call Me Under Investigation for? I have no idea. I so, missed all that. Oh, so check it out. So what they have now done is they were looking into how the Russia investigation uh, began at all uh, with Mueller's uh, big two-year investigation. And they were looking for the intelligence that led to the fact that Russia could have been compromising the Trump campaign. Right. That investigation started due to the people who were in charge of the uh, the intelligence operations under Obama in the months after Trump was elected and before uh, he took office and that comes down to Comey Clapper and Brennan okay uh, so that and so is this about the steel dossier it could very well be about is, the steel dossier so the piss tapes ultimately this is about the piss tapes which did yes. come up in the conversation with Nicole Wallace she, she did bring up the hard-hitting question about well, the piss no, tapes but that's the thing they didn't bring it up and then they made it in the same like oh it's so funny PP tapes ha 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 yeah she said the tinkle tape yeah uh, which is kind of fun uh, I mean you know that might be a documentary I check out every now and again <laughs> but um yeah the way that they acted about it they're like oh my god the tinkle tape I'm like we are all adults here, and James Comey chuckled like a little schoolgirl, and I'm like, aren't, aren't you the former director of the FBI? Is, the word yes. tinkle is still making you laugh. Yes. Oh, so, it is so, a funny word. So but. really stupid question here. So I, I, I tend to like, I do deep dives on policy and ideology. Those are the things I'm really into. I, I really like heuristics, and I like policy. I don't do as much play-by-play in politics. Mm-hmm. So I'm not familiar with the Comey thing. Is it a reprisal so for his what, role? What like, is, like, the, like the Trump administration is like, we're going to get you as revenge? Or do we violate a law? Yes. What has changed is that uh, they are no longer looking into the origins of the Russian investigation. They have now turned it into a criminal investigation, which means um, the IG and the new prosecutor on the case is a fellow named Durham, who uh, everyone says is, you know, even Comey said, um, you know, when they finally kind of got to it, uh, said that he's got great integrity, but these guys now have subpoena power to uh, in, essentially bring people in, into uh, right. a room and, and, and you know, uh, put them under oath and be like, how did you get this information and why did you start the Russian investigation? So, according to, you know, just conservative talk radio, you know, I was listening to Sean Hannity oh driving God. through Kentucky uh, on the way down here to Nashville, and he's basically saying this is going to get Comey, Clapper, Brennan, and probably Peter Strzok and his mistress, his lover, uh, in a lot of trouble. If, Lisa Page. If, if they did something wrong. That's the other thing. is No one's been convicted, obviously, but yeah. this is the next step. We are past the uh, inquiry stage and we're right. into the criminal investigation you, you stage. And I, would, I would love for any of these things to happen. When, when, whenever somebody gets drugged in front of Congress, I think there should only be transcripts. I don't think they should put it on video. And I think that would, it would change the entire dynamic of what happens. Because well, so I mean, much what, of that soundbite material... We learned from the Mueller report, people don't read. Not yeah. boring-ass <laughs> FBI reports anyway. Yeah, you know what? I guess even I couldn't finish reading the Mueller pages. report. I was like, can you please you put in some softcore porn? Can you? Trying. I tried, and I was like, yeah. this is just, like, like it's it's from an English perspective. It's just dreck. There's no, like. It's legalese. Yeah, there's there's no fun stuff in here. Like, like yeah. with, with Clinton, we got, like, cigars and vaginas yeah. and stuff. Uh, like, like, this was just oh, yeah. way less fun. Blue no, dress. Ken Starr wrote the entire Star Report <laughs> rock hard. Yeah. There is no denying that. But going back to Comey, just quickly, and then we can talk about Sean Hanks. Versus James Carville, which was another, yeah, 
I don't know what's going on with the raging Cajun. Yes, you will, but that was going on. I'm not. That's exactly what he sounds like. As a matter of fact, I thought he was in the room with us. Just a, a number of s- southern noises being spewed. <laughs> yes, but Comey did say one of the most hypocritical things that I've heard a public figure say in a long time. He said, when you're doing an investigation, you keep your mouth shut and you do the investigation and you release what you find. And I'm sitting there being like, he did the exact opposite. In 2016, the the calling of a press conference by an FBI director, everyone was like, what the hell are you doing, bro? Yeah. What are you doing? And as a tall guy, I got to defend him a little bit because, you know, he's a handsome man. But like the audacity of him to now just be trying to spin it, his spin is very interesting because he's got no friends on either side. Hillary supporters are super pissed and then Trumpers are super pissed. And for him, it's just like he stepped so far out of the bounds of what FBI directors traditionally have done in the past that now he finds himself in this predicament. And he has the audacity as well to blame the people. He blamed the American people for not understanding I, what I he did. I feel culpable. I apologize to James Comey for my lack of reading. My lack of, no, but literally he was like, well, people, they just didn't understand. They were They're confused. Not, they were confused. And I'm like, because what you did was confusing, sir. <laughs> right, yeah, because I remember that like, like in the 2016 election where he's like, hey, just so you guys know, I'm letting Congress know we're investigating Hillary Clinton. That is all. And Thank it's like, you, this is, like, this is like yeah. a week before the election. Oh, yeah, you could yeah. like uh, like give us some more info other than that. Good, it was a juicy like Friday evening press conference too, and everyone went in the weekend like, what the hell? It was unbelievable. <laughs> but of course, on a slightly more positive note, uh, Politicon again, full of the, it's like meeting the coolest bosses in at a at a at a pic, at a at a business picnic. Yeah, um, I got to meet Kane. AKA Glenn Jacobs, the, the, the now mayor, mayor, the new mayor of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Nice. How was he? He was incredibly kind. He signed. He signed just for me. No, he signed a picture for everyone, because um, he has a new book out. Maybe I'll interview him. Um, but he was extremely kind, and I am slightly bigger than him, which sort of shattered uh, my brain. Did a you? Bit. Did you try to wrestle him? I mean, I, no, you, I didn't you, try you know, to. By talk law, if you had subdued him, you would be mayor of Knoxville. That's how that works. It's like a Klingon succession that is law, yes. That, Damn it. That's the old Andrew Jackson clause. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the state of Kentucky, as long as you can subdue a political leader, you get yeah. their office. No, I, Mitch McConnell stayed as, as, as senator so long. Yeah, he does the turtle he's, bite. He's, yeah, he's really good at pinning people down. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. He and Lindsey Graham. Uh, no, I think the Glenn Jacobs would have twisted my head off like a light bulb. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But you were slightly taller. Slightly taller. Slightly taller. And it's the first time I've seen Ben... Uh, you know, kind of had that moment of uh, starstruck. I literally went up to him and I was like, oh, sir, I do a podcast, I do a wrestling podcast, and a political podcast, and I do a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left. He's like, okay. It was like being uh, the kid from A Christmas Story. He was like, ho, ho, ho. Oh, and what a Red Rider BB gun. It'll shoot your eye out, kid. You know who's, who's uh, actually quite good at wrestling? Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's like, like I've I've hung out with him a couple of times, and I was like, I heard like I eventually talked him into giving me a headlock. Really? And like he was like showing me moves and stuff, which I like I I did not break free from. But yeah, if you well, ever want to wrestle somebody, my suggestion just without provocation, just wrestle Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I think he I think he will win. Is he as prickly in real life as he appears to be online? No, I I found him to be incredibly nice, very pleasant. He he is. Um, Why he, do people he, do that? He is very aware that he is Neil deGrasse Tyson. He is aware that he is like the the successor to Carl Sagan, and like he that is that is noticeable. That said, very nice, very generous with his time. Like as I was leaving, he was leaving the building at the same time, like passing out autographs and things. Yeah, I don't. When you, when you say why are people like that, what do you mean? What's the why are people such 
assholes on social media. Yeah. And then in real life, apparently Neil Gra- deGrasse Tyson is very nice. But I followed him before I had a mental breakdown and unfollowed everyone. And now I follow a few people, I think. I'm um, one of them, and I'm so flattered. I am also I, one of them, but and I'm, I'm also flattered. And, and I, but I'm not an asshole. Like, I just, I mostly, like, tweet I don't jokes. Even, I, like, I'm mostly on Twitter for jokes. I usually just retweet Ben. I yeah. have not looked at either of your tweets, to be fair. Uh, um, but so it's a ceremonial it, follow. This, this is like the British monarchy of follows. It doesn't actually <laughs> do anything. I don't know what to do. I hate it. You, you, but you, why... But why do you think that is? Because that was one of the interesting conversations at Politicon. We watched a panel um, that your friend J.D. moderated. J.D. Durkin. Yeah, J.D. Durkin J.D. Warhammer Durkin. Yep, J.D. Durkin of Cheddar News. You can check him out. He's very successful, and uh, he's a smart guy. He's a good dude. But they were talking about social media in, on his panel. Uh, I think Lauren Duca and uh, some other folks Tim there. Tim Black of Bernie fame, Kyle Kalinske, and Tommy Loren. Tommy Loren. She yeah. was all over the place, and yeah. my God, whatever. But... Um, they were talking about social media, and I thought Lauren, I think, brought up an interesting sentence that kind of made me want to scream at the stage, which is why it's difficult for, all, I think, all three of us to watch a debate that we're not a part of. Yeah. Because I just want to be like the, like the um, when we went to go see Al Franken, there was one Alex Jones protester that stood up and started that, screaming at the stage. Just it, it was a very well-timed heckle, but yeah. it was like it was an hour in, so he well, was I, waiting. I, he was I, waiting on it. I, I get irritated because they always set it up as like, here's the right and here's the left, and I'm like, I'm not part of either of those things. Yeah. Like, how do, do, I, do I get a seat? Can I be the moderator? I know the rational people sit in the seats. Yeah. That's how it works in America today. The quiet people just sit back and go, I guess I'll keep my head down until everybody's done screaming. The silent majority is now just independent. Or as Andrew mentioned uh, over this past weekend, the exhausted exhausted majority. majority. The exhausted majority. (laughs) About 15% of the public is like, yay, MAGA hat, build a wall, lock her up. About 15% of the electorate is uh, progressive activist. And 70% of the people are like, I just came here for brisket. Why is everybody <laughs> yeah. screaming? Like, I'm a Democrat, I have some Republican friends, or I'm a Republican, but I like gay people. Like, there's yeah. like so many quiet people in the middle. On, on the note of Twitter, I think it's two things. Yeah. I think, um, one, uh, our brains, our monkey brains, do not have the same filters online that we have in person. Where like, right. if you're if you're talking to another human being, yeah, um, th- there's enough uh, of a semblance of like, oh, this is an actual human, and right? I, I'm going to address them as such. That doesn't happen when you're online, and so all of those filters are gone. Which is why like people will say crazy shit on email, really mean stuff on email, like internally or on uh-huh. Twitter. The other thing is that Twitter, um, uh, like quantifiably, you do better on Twitter if you're mean. Uh, I, right. I, I had a guest on my program a few months ago that like did a really heavy quant on Trump tweets, and and he, I was talking to him about Twitter itself uh, tends to like the 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 very negative snarky stuff works like a lightning rod on Twitter. Right. Whereas if you're if you're doing positive things or you're doing kind things, eh, eh, yeah, maybe who cares? Yeah. Who wants to hear about it? But the one thing that Lauren mentioned that made me want to scream to the stage was she talked about how regular people, which I don't even know what that means because she's about as basic as people get, uh, which is not an insult. She's just a human being like everyone else. But she's like, regular people, they don't go on Twitter all the time and they don't know what we're talking about on Twitter. But my thought is regular people are the one who populates Twitter. It is so basic to be on Twitter. It's so basic to be on social media. And I was talking to my buddy about this and she was just like, everyone we moved away from in every small town that we all come from are now in our pockets. Like, that's why I had to get off of the damn thing for the most yeah. part, other than tweeting out, well, but, you know. But, but, but it's like, it is for regular people. That's why it sucks. Yeah. Yes, but with, with a distinction, though. Um, I think, like, people on Twitter are more political than the average person. If you just take an average person, somebody on Twitter is more vocal and more more politically engaged than just like your regular guy or gal at or, like a used car lot. Or a person on Instagram. Maybe, I mean, but I think the guy at the used car lot is on Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Instagram's fun because people are way less political yeah. on there. You'll Insta- see. Instagram is like all like... of your friends are assembling their own coffee table book right. about how it, awesome it, and beautiful it is they are. It's a nice reminder yes. that we're all yeah. just I mean, some of us have dogs and yeah. some of us like brunch. Yeah. And then Twitter and Facebook are just like, ah, you're all monsters. I, I think if aliens ever come down, we should just let's all have a rule here. We agree. If aliens come down the second they set foot on American soil, we delete all of Twitter and every YouTube comment that's ever existed. Oh my God! Pretend like we're nice people. We're like that's oh, a hey, good idea. You should and watch smart. Pretend watch, we're smart watch too. Planet Earth. Earth. We're gonna we're gonna introduce you to David Attenborough. He's a swell dude. And then just yeah. talk about like the monkeys we have that can walk through rivers and stuff. Uh-huh. Be like, yeah, Earth's great. And don't show them Twitter. Don't no, show them I, social I, media at all. Yeah. Just it's all it's Ken Burns documentaries mm-hmm. about the Civil War yep. and about and how country music. How do you feel about mutton chops, aliens? Yeah. You're going to really enjoy this. I completely agree. So that was an interesting did, did, uh, did, debate did as you, well. Did you get back on Twitter? Because like you, you tweet periodically. Like what, periodically. What, what is your relationship with it? Well, I seriously was staying up until 6 o'clock in the morning checking it oh, because I was like, oh my so God, you, what are people you saying? You went down the hole. Okay. I did, yeah. And so for my mental health, I just had to be like, this is not for me. And also... I don't really care, I guess, what people are saying. Um, because good, it didn't seem to be making me smarter. Oh, good for you, man. It was making me angry and full of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, again, it was just everyone that I moved away from was now attacking uh, again. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with all this. Uh, so I feel like the way that Twitter was weaponized, and it definitely has been weaponized, is it's just not healthy. So I, 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 I got rid of it. I unfollowed everyone. In hindsight, not a good idea because I unfollowed some very successful people that they unfollowed me then. But I also did want to say, I don't even... It's weird for me, Twitter. If I have a good thought, I don't even think it's... I think it's too good for Twitter. Yeah. I don't think Twitter well, yeah. is worthy Plus, of a lot of my words. Like, like, but ben, you know, you're, you're a deep thinker and you've got platforms in which you can talk and actually exp- like have your thoughts air out with other people as opposed to Twitter yes. which is just shouting bumper stickers at people that's it so for me it wasn't healthy but you know my friend Brooke Rogers she's amazing on Twitter and for her it's been a, a great thing she can tweet out her stories and tweet out her wonderful opinions so it really is just to the person I, I just I, feel like we started taking Twitter so seriously yeah. as a country and everyone's like it was on Twitter it must be real it's like it's not real and everyone right. who is tweeting is in their underwear or <laughs> on taking the... an active shit <laughs> yeah. I, I think everybody online dating I stand by this Everyone online dating only does it while on the toilet, and that explains why online dating is the way it is. I do that with a uh, toilet or watching sports. Okay. You got yeah. to. Yeah. See, and I don't like sports, so I just have bowel movements. Okay. Uh, but, but like with like with Twitter, I'm with you, Ben. Like I like I think like uh, social media is a tool, and you can use it for good or for ill. Right. I, I think um, generally speaking, you know, I'm just uh, we're all happier when you live in the moment. We're happier when, Absolutely. when, when like, like right now, I'm here with you. I'm here with Travis. Mm-hmm. This is the totality of what I'm doing. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not jumping on to see all these things. And the more you pull yourself out of... But of course, of, we are recording. We are recording. Uh, yes, we are there, there is a fourth Although, person, which and, is and you, you, dear listener. check this out on but, the internet. But you know what? But hold on. We, we were hanging out at a bar earlier. And having and a like, great conversation. And we were hanging out and talking. And, like, and yeah. like, I think like I had to coordinate something. But other than that, like I wasn't like sifting through Twitter and stuff. I think like like Twitter has a way of removing your brain and, and taking it out of the actual time-space continuum you're living yep. and putting it in a very abstract kind of fake universe that, yep. that is of minimal import. And as we've seen, that universe has manifested itself into reality going back to a lot of the people at Politicon, a lot of the MAGA people. There was one booth that just said, we hate liberals. And right. I'm like, what is yeah. going on? Yeah. Right next to a booth that said, be kind. Yeah. It was the be kind political movement. I'm like, I don't know who's going to win this. Yeah. But it and looks it was like, a guy selling chairs. I was and like, a guy just selling chairs. Real done, yeah. guy selling chairs so we had a chance yes so that was a great great panel uh again with your boy jd durkin 
And we also had a chance to see Al Franken. Uh, but before that, maybe we should talk about James Adomian and Anthony Antamanek. So good. Did you see them? I, I did not. I, I had. I, I was doing a meetup separately with uh, with one of my friends. So we we were we were already gone by then. But Anthony, I like those guys. They're funny. I J- bet it was a good show. James Adomian and Anthony Antamanek. If you have a chance to see Bernie versus Trump. Check it out because it's so good. Atamanek's Trump. Have you seen his Trump at all? Yeah. I just think it is the dark. It's the darkest Trump. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely the darkest Trump. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's the most accurate. It's the best one. I mean, and of course, you know, they started doing this. I think in 2015, 2016, they first started doing the, the Trump versus Bernie, and it's just so wild that you know here we are all these years later. And, you know, we even saw the Politicon. We saw Bernie shirts and you saw MAGA hats. And all the conversations and panels were about democratic socialism versus, you know, corporate uh, Democrats. And then the Trump people versus the anti-Trump people with the Republicans. So there's battles happening within the Democrat Party and within the Republican Party. And then they've got to all go head to head. And Trump versus Bernie with a Domian and Adamnick. Is just the perfect representation of all of it. One of the things that I thought was mm-hmm. really interesting about Politicon was um, I would say 80 to 90% of the people there were either Bernie or Trump supporters. Yep. There, I didn't see a single person. I saw like a couple of people with Tulsi Gabbard shirts. I had I uh, saw a few Yang Gang. Okay. Saw mm-hmm. two Yang Gang hats. Yeah. But I, but like but overall though like there was there was very little representation from yep. anyone I would describe as a moderate or a centrist in any capacity. It was it was the the, the loud folks, the activists that were showing up. Absolutely, which makes sense. It is and a political event. It makes isn't sense. It, but isn't Joe Biden still? I know Warren is chipping away at that lead uh, yeah. on a daily basis. But isn't he still technically the front runner? I saw one Joe Biden pin, and that was for sale. Yeah. It wasn't even on a person. I didn't yeah. see Biden represented at all. Yeah, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I know it's not like the biggest event on earth, but don't you think Biden should have? He should be at these places. Like, he have some be, kind of. Presence. He needs to show up and have a presence because you're right. It was Bernie and Trump. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was the activists who show up, and the activists, um, like for one thing, like I'm, I'm not a. I, I think Biden's a poor candidate. I think he will drop out by the end of Iowa. I, you I, think so? I, I think he is. I, I think that he is uh, a more likable version of Hillary Clinton uh, in terms of policy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in terms of foibles. I agree. And so mm-hmm. I think that when, when he goes, if he were to go toe-to-toe with Trump, we've already had that election, and I don't think that's a good call for the Democrats. I think they should put somebody else up. Agreed. Add that to the fact that Joe Biden in his prime was a gaffe machine, and now I think he's noticeably slowing down. I do not think he's a good candidate. And I think he also, he's been around so long that he's, you know, like criminal justice reform, all that stuff we're undoing, that was him. That was him. him. Iraq War. Iraq War, that was him. So, so like, he's, I I think he will will drop out pretty quickly. And I don't think that people, I think that the, the majority of the support for Joe Biden is temperamental. And I agree with that. He's a nicer person than Donald Trump. I would, I would rather him he's be. He's got a, name recognition. That's what a lot of he's the. Got, but, but a lot I, of people remember Obama. Remember yeah. that there was a Biden. But but I don't I don't think that there are like the the energy in the Democratic base is not excited about him because because he's he's the safe you know Very kind safe. of calm yep. option and yeah. I and I don't think he's going to pull through. And I think the coalition he's trying to reform is Obama's coalition, obviously. But the black support minus Obama, is, who's minus not, Obama, who's not endorsed right. him, which is kind of um, telling. Yeah. But black support is now, I mean, it's still much more in favor of Joe Biden. He does well with, like, South Carolina, African-Americans and in your, in your southern Democratic states uh, or in a Democratic primary in a southern state. Um, but now Elizabeth Warren is starting to peel away uh, some of the black support as well from from Biden. So I think she's making some inroads with her economic talk. And it seems like, you know, the African-American support, as we saw with the panel today, Yeah. Um, it was an African-American panel, black panel. 
uh, they were all very anti-Trump, which yeah. was an interesting I, I did, thing. I did pick up on that, yeah. Because yeah. they were talking, obviously, how Trump is racist and these things, but then there was a lot of black Trump supporters there. Yeah, in MAGA hats. In yeah. MAGA hats. And then so there, there was that's another. Like, I mean, yeah. talk about talk about more fractures. Oh. Then you got black Trump supporters versus non-black Trump supporters. Now, granted, one side greatly outweighs yeah. the other when it comes to numbers. Yeah. But that's another interesting fracture. Yeah, the, the whole thing, that that's what they said in that panel, is that 13% of black men voted for Trump and 4% of black women really? voted for Trump. Interesting. And, and then April Ryan, being the journalist that she is, was like, do we have any black Trump? And then They all had mega hats on. Jump up and it's like, yeah, I, you know, who knows what could have happened after that. But, but that was a fascinating thing when, when uh, what was it, Nance? Yeah, Malcolm Nance. Malcolm Nance was like, Donald Trump is a racist. And all the white people were like, absolutely. Yeah. And then there was a good group. I mean, there was a large African-American group. Yeah. We're just like, no. And so I just thought that was, that's such an interesting dichotomy as well. When it was like the white people being like, he's racist. And the black people in this case were like, I love oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And But again, you know, you look at the numbers. But it was, that's why Politicon, anyway. It was just an interesting moment to see that you don't see. At any other function right. other than the Politicon that we had yeah. this weekend. But there was also, like, I think you, you and I were, we, we walked by an event that was like drag people for Trump or something no, it, like that. Yes, it was, it was, it was like, trans it was like people drag. for Trump. Oh, was it trans? Yeah, it was trans okay. people for Trump there. There were uh, the, the log uh, cabin Republicans were okay. there. You know, that's the thing with the Republican Party. You think a lot of these people just vote Republican for the economics and they try to, like, break that uh, that stereotype that, you know, that, that Republicans are just rich white people. Um, but is actually rich other people too. I, I, th- yeah. I think we yeah. will not right now but I think over the course of our lifetime we will see the ascendancy of socially conservative gays and what I mean by oh, that absolutely. is like I actually I think, well, pe- I think Pete, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg is, is actually like, like, that. Like, yeah. like, like so me, me being from Oklahoma and being like a pro-market pro-gay guy like mm-hmm. I like have kind of inadvertently met a bunch of gay attorneys and like when you talk to them in the middle of the country they're like uh, I'm all about family, and I served in the military, and I go to church like yep, way more than I do. Yeah, uh, and like, and, and it's like, yeah, they're, they're like that. That will, I think that not now, I don't think, but I think that that will eventually become a thing. Yeah, and, uh, oh, I think it. I think it already is a thing, and you know, I am reminded we are in Tennessee. Yes, um, because this I, is where we are. There were a lot of people like that, you yeah. know, trans people. And, you know, these aren't, it wasn't a huge group of people, but they were definitely all in for Trump. Yes. So I thought that was just kind of interesting. And then we also had a chance um, to see former senator of Minnesota, Al Franken, speak. And did, I, he, did he mention the Me Too thing? He did not mention the okay. Me Too but thing. The Al Jones uh, supporter who yelled, heckled him, yeah. did say. Yes. At one point, an Alex Jones supporter stood up and said, You're a fraud. You're a liar. You're a serial sexual assaulter. Free Alex Jones! Which I didn't know Alex Jones was in jail. He's in jail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I guess he, he's, he's in Facebook jail. He's in Facebook yeah. jail. Which is yeah. worse. It's, which is it's way even worse. worse than real jail. And uh, what was funny is, like, yeah, we've seen, you know, Alex Jones people, especially 2016, usually if one pops up, they've got a whole coordinated effort. Eight more of them pop up, and they've got a chant and banners, and there was nothing. It was just this guy. Just, and I, I loved Al Franken's response because this guy starts getting up and walking out, and Al Franken's like, oh, well, don't leave. <laughs> and Al, he gave, he gave a really good speech, and it, it made me sad to remember. I don't believe that he would have resigned in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the person, you know, obviously Gillibrand out of New York. Uh, that's uh, She's obviously a senator who ran for president this year. He's already dropped out. She was the main proponent of having him drop out. I think that it was a knee-jerk reaction, and I think if he had to do it over again, he wouldn't have dropped out. I, I think it was a knee-jerk reaction uh, also paired with, with, at the time, there were allegations that Roy Moore had... Uh, 
attempted to diddle fourteen-year-olds. Exactly. So there, there was. Yeah, a, this a, is all the end of twenty seventeen. There was a strategic move to go. We, we are the good party. We are the party that ousts yes. our sexual predators. Right. Had, uh, I mean, I, I'm just saying this from a tactical perspective as an independent. Um, I think that if there hadn't been a Democratic governor in Minnesota to appoint Al Franken's uh, replacement, that wouldn't have happened. If it had been a Republican oh my god, governor, look what happened in South Carolina. With the governor and lieutenant governor. Oh, what happened? Right, the or Virginia oh, rather. Virginia, oh, Virginia. Yes, yeah, yeah, where it turns out like everybody was either sexually harassing someone or was like taking KKK photos. Doing blackface. And then yeah. and then it's forgotten about. Trudeau is the same way in Canada, and then it's forgotten about. Um, but he gave a speech that I thought was kind of encouraging in a lot of ways as well. I think he's kind of back. He's got he's got politics on the brain. He had a lot of bunch of great stories. Was he being... was he funny again? Because when, when he became a yeah, senator, he yeah. quit being funny. Well, he which I get because he wanted to have gravity. This is actually funny. Yeah, Yeah, this is good because what happened was, yes, he's funny again uh, now, and he can tell all these stories from being in the Senate, but when he was in the Senate, and, and, you know, Ben and I both know as comedians who have run for office, like, yeah, you got to tamper it down, but he's got, like, stories about him telling jokes behind closed doors that would either, you know, the dry Republican senator just, like, wouldn't get... Yeah, uh, or the Democrats would, you know, completely uh, ruin did, the did, joke. He told one story about how he wanted to give his official um, response <laughs> to same-gender marriage, same-sex marriage, and his official response that he wrote down was, uh, "Senator Al Franken is absolutely thrilled same-gender marriage has passed." Although I would like to say this is in his words, he's like, "I would like to say that Antonin Scalia's um, what rebuttal dissension d- dissension was gay." Yeah. And then so he and, was like, I want to say Angelina Scalia's uh, dissension was gay. And, and they wouldn't let him do it. Yeah, he put it in the press release and everything. And then his staff was like, you can't do that. You can't do it. So it so. seems like the majority of his lieutenant's work yeah. was to just edit his jokes yeah. like Tom Davis you, did for you, SNL. You know who yeah. doesn't have that? Have you ever have you followed Chuck? One of the guys you should follow on Twitter, Ben, is Chuck Grassley, who's like aged he, 409. He did an impression of Chuck Grassley. Like yeah. He had a story of meeting Chuck Grassley, just a very basic he, yeah, he's, Iowa. He's 400 and he refuses to give his Twitter password to his staff and like yeah. if, if you like at home Sometimes Google Chuck, the... Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Grassley Twitter and it's like imagine your grandfather <laughs> leaving, yeah. leaving you sticky notes yeah. on Twitter I That's remember it. that didn't he accidentally just tweet like uh, like uh, things to pick up from the store one oh time? yeah he like yeah, what like like one of them's like Dairy Queen on Michigan Avenue is great for you know what, and I'm like, <laughs> like for what? Felicio? For what? Like that's immediately where I went. Like I, you probably no. get ice cream because you're 90. Yeah. He did that, and then like like he like he also spends like if you were making a pie chart of Chuck Grassley tweets, it'd say like 30 percent of them are criticizing the History Channel for the emphasis on pawn shops. Oh. Like it's just oh like God. it drives him crazy that this like that, but that's a significant portion of his Twitter account. It's actually really funny. It. I love that I our 85 year old senators have so much free time. Yes, yeah. Al Franken told the story about it. The first time he met Chuck Grassley, he was on a train, he was going to the he was going to the Capitol, and the first thing Chuck Grassley said was like, Oh, you look the same way as you do on TV. And then Hell was like, I do. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> and then uh and then uh and then Chuck was like, You wouldn't believe what people say when they first meet me and Al was like, that you're nicer in person? <laughs> yeah. 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 And then he said, And you wouldn't believe what people say when they see me. He said, That you're taller in person? He's like, Yeah. <laughs> And that was it. That was the whole story. That was, yeah. Yeah. But no, Al Franken, he did. He, yeah, it was nice to see him kind of back in the saddle a little bit. Uh, I don't think he's going to run for office again. Although, again, there were some people that I heard murmuring that he may be considering to run again for Minnesota Senate. Oh, really? wow. Yeah, that's okay. the, so he's kind of these past six months or so. 
He's been back out there, and so there is some conversation that he sh- might do it. Shout out to Minnesota for having the most fun candidates. They had Jesse Ventura. They had Jesse Ventura. Yes. They had Al Franken. Absolutely. Yeah, they like they, that is a colorful state. Keith Ellison's it, it is attorney a, it is general. It's a cold right Florida now. in terms of the cast of characters they have. It's Keith Ellison speaking of the Me Too movement. My goodness. Yeah, but he, he, see, he, he didn't he, resign. Did he, he the attorney general? Did, but he, did, he didn't he lose Someone the congressional was, election or something? Somebody, yes, there were things going on, but he's attorney well, he didn't, general. Well, he's, he's not the head of the DNC, basically. That went yeah, to Tom Perez, I think. Yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was kind of the fallout. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was a great uh, weekend. A great weekend, super fun, nerded out. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, it was like a Star Trek convention with uh, political neckties. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Fun. You know what? I'll say, I actually quite enjoyed because, like, I felt like I was camouflaged the whole time because I was one of the only like five people there that didn't have campaign buttons on. Yes, right. and like, and I actually really enjoyed that sensation where I felt anonymous and like everybody else was very upfront about their views, and I could kind of like be invisible. Well, in yeah. between. Yeah. Them. Oh, and I got. I mean, I know for a, I, that was the same thing with me. I'm wearing my Willie Nelson, uh, Waylon Jennings shirt with the American flag on it. Yeah, and so a lot of Trump supporters were like. Yeah, we got a big one. And yeah. I was like, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> if, if, you, if you wanted to have like a unity ticket king of America, he's a little old now, but Willie Nelson could unite oh, the yeah. whole country because he's like very progressive, smokes a lot of pot, but he also sure very Texas. Yeah. By, by today's standards, he's a spring chicken. Absolutely. Look at his, the oh, yeah, good point. He, he could. Was he, he's only 91 years young. He's very young, very young. <laughs> and I, of course, wore my Johnson Weld 2016 uh, T-shirt, which uh, only one person recognized. They said, hey, that's a nice shirt. Shirt, and that was Bill Weld. Bill Weld himself, <laughs> former governor of Massachusetts. And uh, yeah, anyway, so is there anything else that we want to talk about? Just kind of. I, I think we were just doing kind of a post breakdown of Politicon. Uh, no, I think we got it. Um, you guys have a documentary coming up. I, I've, Ooh, I've not been able to see it that. yet, so I can't ask you any cool questions, but I want to watch it and then ask you questions. Absolutely. So we got the documentary. That's one of the reasons that we're here in Nashville. We'll be uh, airing it at Zany's. I'm going to wear my shoes on my head and my gloves Whoa, on my feet. You're it's, Zany, man. It's going to get Zany. Uh, so, yes, obviously this is going to be coming out after that, but I'm sure it was a good time. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Uh, speaking in the. Uh, in the, um, I'm actually va- vaguely psychic, and I can confirm it is it, it is going to be a great time. All right, there time. it is. And so you can check that out. Go to hailyourselfamerica.com, and it will be available November first. It's a five dollars, nice, short, sweet documentary, and it's my it's a story about when I ran for Brooklyn Borough President in 2017. Nice. And I think it's a really fun tale. And yeah, and anything else going don't, on with you guys? Don't tell me if you want or not. I want to be surprised. You know what? Believe Ooh, it or not, I'm going to ruin it for you. I didn't. Are not, you, are you I Brooklyn did Borough not. President? I am not. Oh, okay. No. As All a matter right. of fact, no. one could say I got fifth in a three-party race. <laughs> uh, you could say that. But indeed, it was a great experience, and we did make uh, some social change when it comes to transportation, which was the cornerstone of our campaign. Nice. Okay. So it was. It was a moral victory. It was an absolute moral victory, and yeah. I think you'll love the story. Uh, we go through the Libertarian Party with the Reform Party. Because you did both, right? Yeah. There's you, a, you, you ran. You had. You we had attempted to do both. The Libertarian storyline's quite funny. Okay. So you're going to like that. Nice. All right. Yeah. Um, yes. And Andrew, with you, where can people find you and things you can, like that? The best place to find me is at The Political Orphanage, which is my podcast. I mostly talk to either comedians or Pulitzer Prize winners, and I talk to them about politics. And if you don't like the red team versus blue team slap fight, you're, you're not in that Manichaean battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm your guy. 
Awesome. And you can you can check me out there. And for my listeners, where can people find you, Ben? Where can people find you, Travis? I have a podcast called Abe Lincoln's Top Bat, and of course, I also do Last Podcast on the Left. Uh, so check out Abe Lincoln's Top Bat. Uh, that's my political show, and I, I agree with uh, Andrew in the sense that I believe we need to get stability back into our conversation and actually try to solve problems, not just constantly bitch about the problems that currently exist. Hmm. And that's why it's always good to run for office. And yep. that's uh, where people can find me, Travis Irvine, USA, on all social platforms. And, uh, yeah, Hail Yourself America, that's the new documentary. I was Ben's campaign manager. And director of the documentary. And I'm super proud of it. I'm really excited for his fans. You know, what we want to do is just inspire more young people to run for office. And, again, kind of get out of those lines of right versus left. Yeah. We've had great screenings in Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Yep. I'm sure Nashville is going to be fantastic. I'm excited for that to come out. And after that, stay tuned for Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark, Woo! which is just not a documentary. Documentary, Andrew, and I, uh, I honestly, I'm very stupid. I honestly, at, no, hold on. Be, be, before I say, I this, understand. Originally, the you told me that you were making a, a, movie, a movie franchise called Killer Raccoons, and I ask, is it a documentary? Which I think, if that's all the info I have, is it a do- like it's, just Killer Raccoons? I'm like, that could be a great documentary. I don't know. We and then, and then Ben is like, well, they have guns, and I was like, okay, right, right, well, yeah. No, I mean, later. literally, it's called Killer Raccoons: Dark Two. Christmas in the Dark. Yeah. Two. And it's I'm telling Christmas you, like, movie. as a Boy Scout, if I had to pick a nemesis. <laughs> species it would be raccoons they're the ones i'm most concerned about that's the thing so yeah ben and uh, a lot of the other last (laughs) podcasts uh, network people have cameos super proud of it so we're rolling all out and we're going to change the world 2020 here we come absolutely good good friendship meeting guys Mm. i loved it man we gotta we'll do it next year wherever politicot is all right everyone thanks for listening hail yourselves do you have a catchphrase, Andrew? I don't. Chow? Which I'm going to come up Chow? with. Chow? Yeah, no, I, Italy has that. I can't use that one. I'll come up with that's, one. That's Italy's catchphrase. <laughs> Man, uh, stay. Okay, I'll, I'll work on it. Yeah, I hey, love it. I'll, I'll work on yourself. it. I'll borrow yours. Hail yourself. <laughs> all right, everyone. There you go. There it was. Thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Feel free to follow me, Ben Kissel1 on Instagram, Ben Kissel on Twitter, if you care about that. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka golden ticket is all mine.